everybody, it's Jack Mitchell, SBO Perspectives, another, as I call, action-packed episode. So I'm here again with John Bricado. The illustrious John Bricado. We gotta get your nickname one of these days. <laughs> we'll get there, we'll get there. But it's great. Coming to today will be more about S transparency, just to give more guidance as, you know, these are still mandates coming to us, and we just kind of want to keep the SBOs informed and in tune of what's going on out there. Yeah, we have somebody who's got their ear to the ground as it relates to New York State fiscal transparency. She's been on the podcast before. Brady Regan at Forecast 5 was gracious enough to kind of sit down with us and do an interview and kind of really go A to Z, what it means to kind of open the form, get through it, what kind of data to, to assemble and how to get that data put together in a nice, neat package that the state's going to be uh, happy about. So we're really excited to bring you this interview. And uh, here we go. Okay, today we have a returning guest of the podcast, Brady Regan. Brady is a senior analytics advisor at Forecast 5. She's a certified business official with over 11 years of experience in school finance. Previously, she's worked at ASBO New York and state aid planning at Questar 3 BOCES. Brady, welcome back to the pod. Brady, welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. I'm excited. Awesome. So as part of this relaunch of the podcast season two, we really wanted to have kind of a focus on topics as they come up throughout the the year of a business official. And I'm sure everybody listening is in the throes of New York State fiscal transparency reporting. So you working with Forecast 5 and having so much experience with uh, the, the reporting, we figured it'd be best to bring you back on the podcast so we can kind of get an insight on the best way to kind of approach this reporting, some things that you have um, experienced throughout the past few years, and uh, just kind of some general advice. But to kind of kick it off, can you explain the genesis of New York State fiscal transparency and kind of where it came from and what it's all about? Sure. Um, do you want my honest opinion or do you want what the state tells people? We want the honest <laughs> We want the honest oh, I think it all stemmed from the inequities that exist across schools. You know, many, many school districts have multiple buildings within their school district. And there was a lot of concerns when it came to how sources were being allocated. You know, you'd have parents questioning why their kid in one building in your district was getting a completely different education than a kid at another building in the district and rightfully so. And so I think that the state came up with the transparency requirement as a way to better understand how school districts were spending their money at the building level so that they could start to perhaps address some of those inequities that did exist. So starting in 1819, they they phased in the requirement for school districts because at that point, districts were used to, and, and you both would know this, historically, they presented their, their spending at the district level. So this was new for everyone. So they phased the requirement in over three years, starting in 1819. So in that first year, only 76 school districts had to do the the reporting. The next year, 230 school districts. And then the year following that, all school districts had to um, start that and they would have to continue that going forward. And wasn't the criteria for that phase in based on how much aid you were getting and how big your district was? Yeah, so it depended on how many school buildings you had in um, your district. And then also, I believe it was based on what percentage of state aid you were receiving. Yeah. So it's pretty safe to say that in 2021, 21, 22, everybody's now required to do it. 
Correct. Yep. And this is probably, you know, depending on when you were first required to report, this could be the third, fourth year for some people. Right. Right. So we got a little bit of the history. Can you kind of, for those that may not be too familiar with the form and the process, can you kind of explain and walk us through what the process is like? Sure. So there's several different parts of the form. So you file all of this in the state's portal. It's through the division of budget. So there's several different parts. The first part wants to see district spend, your overall spending within um, your funds. So they ask for your general fund, special aid fund, and then school lunch and debt service fund. They also look for certain centralized costs. And then there's a number of different exclusions because the state understands that school districts don't necessarily have control over all of their spending. Schools are, you know, because of different obligations, you're required to... Right. So there's a lot of different exclusions when it comes to tuition payments to other schools, or even your school lunch fund is completely excluded, transportation's excluded. So that's really part A. It wants to get to overall spending and some of those those centralized costs. And it also, also has a section that calculates a fringe rate that's used throughout the form when it comes to benefits. So instead of, of having to show how you allocate benefits across your buildings. The state's calculation uses a fringe rate that it applies. And then in part C, well, actually I'm skipping ahead. There's part B where you provide information on your student and staff demographics. So anything from enrollment to number of ELL students, because we know that that plays a part into spending when it comes to your students based on their need. So it asks some information on your staffing. So perhaps how many years of experience your teachers have, because that could help explain some of the variances when it comes to salaries. Yep. So that's part B. And then part C gets into really what the whole process is all about is seeing your school level spending within your buildings and broken out by object of expense and by purpose of expense. So it wants to see you know, what are you spending in your in your buildings when it comes to classroom teacher salaries? What about all other salaries, your BOCES costs? And then it wants to see it by purpose. So it wants to see what portion is general ed, what portion is special ed, what portion is pupil services. So is it safe to say that you're essentially taking all of the data that you explained in part A and just kind of reclassifying it in part C? And it's so the, the, the bottom line is the same. It's just being represented differently, right? Correct. Okay. Yep. So Hold it's on. the same Another. information. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same information. What's that? trick us or something? <laughs> no, it seems a little complicated. Well, that's where the whole balancing piece comes um, to it. Because when you're in the portal, as you complete the different sections, everything has to balance with each other, which makes sense because it's saying, you know, you're showing your spending just in different ways when it comes from part A to part C. And so the two really should balance. And that's where some of the complications come from when it comes to disaggregating your data within those individual categories that the state wants to see it. And then on top of that, they also want to see the spending broken out by source of funding. So you have to break it out by state and local dollars and then your federal dollars. And that can get complicated as we know, most districts don't necessarily 
track expenses by revenue source. So what you mean by revenue sources, say I have an expenditure for special education tuition, or maybe that's not a good example because it's, would that be an exclusion technically? Special education tuition? Yeah. If you're paying it out to another school, it would be. So say, yeah. okay. So say we're using another expense, for example, and you're talking about revenue source. So this report is reporting on expenditures, correct? Correct. But they want to know for that expenditure, how are you funding that? Okay. So you're matching up the corresponding revenue to offset that expenditure, which I don't know about you, Jack. That's not necessarily how I I think of my spending of, you know, where these Uh, revenue dollars matching to the expenditure. So that is kind of tricky. It is. That's why I said that. I mean, like, think of it. Like, you know, you just don't really, I mean, but the state is a state. They always want to bring something upon us, but I can tell you that. And get us for forecast five. (laughs) shout out to forecast five and i remember going through it the first time you know they had announced it we didn't really know what we were up against and it was really confusing because we don't really think of our budget and our expenditures in that part c format so one of my questions was in your experience were a lot of districts prepared for this or was it a big struggle when this was rolling out those first three years It was a extreme struggle for districts um, because again, everyone was used to, you know, looking at their data at the district level. Yeah, you throw it in the ST3 and forget about it for a year, you know? Right. So a lot of districts had to, you know, rethink some of their their, well, I should say their chart of accounts, really. They had to, they had to think about cleaning up a lot of their account codes and applying location codes to a lot Mm -hmm. of those expenditures. A lot of districts didn't do that in the past. So this required people to really get into their systems and start cleaning up their account codes. So I do have a question about kind of those challenges that you face, but I know we kind of left off at part C and now there's a D, E, and F. So if you could you quickly maybe run us through what those are too? Oh, absolutely. So with part D of the form, that's for any districts that have pre-K programming or uh, and or community schools programming, that part doesn't actually have to really balance with the rest of the form. It's more so the state understands that a lot of money is allocated in those different areas when it comes to pre-K and community schools. So they want to know how districts are allocating funds in those two areas as well. And then Part E asks districts if they have a local funding formula that they use to, when it comes to- The distribution of funds to students? Correct. So, you know, some districts use the awaiting formula when it comes to student needs. Mm -hmm. In my experience, you know, I personally am assisting 130 districts this year with transparency. And my colleagues are, are also helping- another 200 or so. So we've seen a lot. And I would say the majority of districts don't have a local funding formula that they use to distribute their their allocations, but the state does ask. And then in part F, there also is a narrative piece where they ask the district some questions when it comes to, you know, what process you use and the, and the decisions that go into resource allocation. Okay, so you, you essentially have a six-part form that's looking at the same data in just some different ways. And now that we're in year three and those that have kind of gone through this, are you seeing that it's getting a little easier as, as years go on, like year to year? 
Absolutely. I would say districts have really put a lot of work into cleaning up their account codes. Again, this is my third year working with school, some school districts and I've seen and noticed even you know, within the same districts, how much work they've put into cleaning up their account codes. Plus, they're also understanding the process more and what it is that the state's report is trying to get at. So I think that, you know, they're more comfortable with going through the process and sure. they're just understanding it better. So, I mean, that that's challenging enough to take your existing account codes and accounting software and just kind of restructure it, retool it to make your life easier for one single mandate. Can you speak to some of the other challenges you've noticed districts struggling with? Yeah, and when it comes to the account code structures, what I have seen throughout the different districts that I work with is that not everybody has their account code structures aligned to the ST3. So I've seen some really crazy things when it comes to the account codes. You know, there's to me, there's a standard, right? So you've got the the function, you've got your object, location, program, and there's the state actually does have a uniform system of accounts. But what we've noticed in New York State is that not everybody actually follows that which is understandable, um, you know, but when you go probably into- probably would be easier though, if everybody were standardized for be, more reasons than one. It would make things so much not follow it though? I'm trying to just be curious, like- I know, and, and you know, with my company, we work in other states and in other states, it's a requirement that everyone follows the same uniform system of accounts. So it's interesting that in New York state, they don't really enforce that. I think we, we were talking offline before this and you had mentioned that you've seen some districts where- was it they were using location codes as object codes or function codes as object codes? What what was that? I, I've seen everything, really. <laughs> I, I have seen everything. And again, you know, we have to understand that this goes back several years. So people inherit these, you know, these these account code structures and to, you know, no one really has time to get in there and and recode everything. And and also a lot of districts are resistant against that because they want that historical perspective. And so many districts don't necessarily want to change everything. But I would say with the account code, that's one thing. The other thing is you got to think about the timing of submission. This time of year is crazy for you guys. You know, you've got your auditors in, you're working on the ST3 and claims forms. School's going to be starting soon. You just closed out last year's books. Like you just have so much going on. And then all of a sudden the state throws this at you. Yeah. Um, so just trying to manage your time. It's a lot. And, and also keeping in mind that the form isn't only based on financial information. It also requires, you know, some of your student and staffing demographics. So FTE counts, pupil counts, some of that information you don't necessarily have. So you have to reach out to people in other departments to get that information. And who may be on vacation or exactly. MIA for the summer too. So exactly. that's a challenge. Over the summer, it's, you know, it's, it's difficult, but you need that. And also when it comes to timing, the state system also compares your submissions to what you have in your ST3. And the ST3 is constantly being updated. So- right. We ran into in the last two years, oftentimes where a client would come to me and say, I got flagged because the state's saying that what I, I just submitted is significantly different than what I have in my ST3. Why is that? 
And then we go back and we find out, well, their system was updated last week. And so that can cause things to be off. We've run into that at my district because we are heavily reliant on tuition revenue. So we we use that non-resident tuition rate, you know, pretty religiously. So we're in the ST3 regularly updating that. So it, when I submit my transparency form, it could be way off in the future because I've updated my NRT or I've updated my ST3 for my NRT rate. So that, that's something to factor in as well. Right. And then one last thing that I will say when it comes to challenges, one of the biggest ones is the F fund. Because again, when we think about timing, most districts this time of year don't have their F fund budget complete. You're still waiting on several different pieces of information to build those budgets. And this year, you know, add on top of it, you have the new stimulus money. So some districts don't even know necessarily what they're doing with that money yet. They don't know how much they're spending in a given year. So that's had a lot of, it's caused a lot of confusion and setbacks for people as they're trying to get that in place. But the nice thing is that the state does understand that. And so they do say, you know, use your best estimate at this point in time. And that could be, you know, your 2021 data. It could be your 21-22 data if you have that, or it could be a combination of the two. Well, at least they're they're understanding on something, I guess, you know? Yeah, yeah. So listen, I got to ask you this. I mean, I, and I got to say, I'm really impressed, by the way. I mean, this stuff, you know, at the top of your head, and like, <laughs> just rattling it off. No problem. And, and, and I mean, like, and you're dealing with 130 districts. I mean, I, I can't I can't speak more to that. So, you know, as I look at this, it seems like, you know, this is just another mandated times. Right. And, you know, we get a ton of them. What positives can we take away from the New York State transparency process if there are any? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I put that on the end, right? Well, right. If they're the caveat. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it it can open up your eyes to see how you are spending your money within your buildings. I don't really necessarily think that the state was trying to do like a catcha type of thing. You know, they understand that perhaps there were inequities that exist when it came to spending within your buildings. And I don't necessarily think that that was always intentional. So it gives you the opportunity to look at how you are spending within your buildings and, and think about perhaps moving forward, how you may better allocate your resources based on your needs within your buildings. So I think, I think that there's a positive. I think you're right. I think, you know, when you really think about it, before you could solve any problem, right? You got to be able to identify it. And right. that's right. This is right. It's a reiteration. So we can identify the spending and see, like you said, what commonalities or non-commonalities that we can figure out and say, okay, what can we adjust to, you know, make it more equitable, if you will, right? So. Right. And I think that it also gives you an opportunity to build more trust with your community. If you're providing more information and being transparent, no, no pun intended, you know, I think that you can build more trust so that they can see into some of the decisions that may go into your resource allocation well, and, and perhaps why you're spending certain money in one area and not another. Yeah. So this is a little bit of a different question. It's not off coloring like that. It's just a question. <laughs> <laughs> I want to put that out there, right? First, a little preface. But, you know, like if you were in our shoes, or maybe, you know, you are in a way, we're blessed of both forms. I guess blesses of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> little, in air quotes, right? Exactly. 
But if you have to choose, Brady, I saw Transparency. Which one? I would definitely have to say ESSA. Not only is it easier to go through the ESSA report, but I do think that it's more meaningful. I think that the reasoning behind it makes sense. It does open up discussion and it does help districts understand, you know, their their decisions when it comes to spending. But I think that it's more meaningful because it's your actual expenditures, right? So you can take a look at how that that panned out. When it comes to budgeting, it's a little more difficult, I think. And and we know that that doesn't necessarily what you budget doesn't necessarily pan out. So right. Yeah. Yeah. So with essay, you're actually seeing where the dollars are being spent because it's a look behind you when the fiscal year is over. Correct. The other thing too is, you know, why have both of these? You're already doing, um, you're already showing your spending at the school level for ESSA and that's a federal requirement. And that makes sense. The whole transparency piece, it's just, it's a little redundant and I'm not really sure again, how meaningful that data is. Yeah, I, I will say that is my one complaint when, when this came out. It it almost seems duplicative because we do ESSA and then we do transparency and just how the forms are built, it almost feels like we're doing the exact same thing twice a year. Yeah, and they're back to back because transparency is due in September and then ESSA is due in December. And it's just, yeah, it's at least my life for six months pretty much is just compliance reporting with, with school districts so good. well listen we appreciate that perspective and it's good to know essa is the one and it does make more sense well i mean i want to i want to give you this last question wrap up our, our um episode today you know as always anytime we have someone on we always look for any advice right what advice can you give so what advice you think you can offer to those maybe who are new with this form right because you got new business officials a lot of them are retiring yeah. Pre-pandemic, right after the pandemic, in the pandemic. You know, what advice do you give them that are new with the form? And also those that may have been, you know, do a few years of transparency also, like anything they should look out for, things like that. Yeah, I would definitely suggest to anyone new, take your time. I understand that you're busy people and you have a lot going on this time of year, but I think you definitely want to, you know, familiarize yourself not only with the form, get into the portal. I've had people calling me at nine o'clock at night saying, I can't get into the state's portal. And of course I can't help them (laughs) with that. But you know, making sure you have access to the portal. Um, Mm -hmm. I know not just Forecast 5, but I know, you know, State Aid Planning does a really great job at providing trainings and tutorials to help districts understand, you know, just an overall understanding of transparency, but then better understanding of working through the form. So take your time, take advantage of your resources. Um, I always tell people to pay it forward and take notes of some of the things that you've done, right? So we understand that some districts account codes are all over the place. You may you know, make changes here and there. And so I just say, take notes so that if you are retiring from the district or you're leaving the district to go somewhere new, you're leaving a trail for the next person so that when they come to look at the data of what you did last year, they can 
they have an understanding of your thought process on that. It can help yourself too, because if you're doing it again the next year for that same dish, you can see, oh yeah, this is why I did that last year and, and make sense of it. Okay. And also look at you, at what you or the person before you submitted for the prior year, because the state does have several validation checks set up in their portal where they not only compare your information to state averages. So, you know, with that, you, you don't have any control over how your data really compares to state averages, but they will compare your information to prior year submissions. And so you want to be able to rationalize any significant variances from year to year, which some of them could make sense, especially because of everything with COVID, you know, districts had to shut down, you had to buy all this PPE equipment and so forth. So there could definitely be significant variances from one year to the next when it comes to spending in individual areas, but just be able to justify some of those changes. And just to remind everybody, transparency is due to the state when? September, September 3rd. 3rd. Yeah. So okay. it's for everyone, it's the Friday before Labor Day. Oh. So you want to get that done so you can just have a nice three day weekend. Yeah. Just kind of cruise <laughs> into the new year, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, this awesome. is great. Ready, as always, pleasure having you on and having you on again. And uh, we really, uh, as I said, appreciate all you've done and stated. So. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me back. This yeah. is so fun. Great. Thank you, Brady. Okay. And that was our interview with Brady Regan at Forecast 5. Thank you again to Brady for joining us today. That was a lot of information to digest. And I hope all of you listeners had an opportunity to really check it out front to back. There's a lot of good info in there. And uh, I'm sure Forecast 5 or Questar or any of those folks that are working on transparency, if you reach out to them, they'll be more than, than happy to kind of help you out. Yeah. I, I got to tell you that Every week I say this, I'm excited, I'm excited. I mean, I'm still excited. And you know what? We're still bringing these podcast episodes to everybody, SBOs, non-SBOs, and it's such great content. And I'm so glad I got to co-host with John and every week. So, you know, with that, we're, we're excited. Also, subscriber numbers are coming up. I mean, remember, it doesn't cost anything to subscribe. Just subscribe. You know, you can do it through your Apple Podcasts, your Google Podcasts. And this is really, really good stuff. And just so you know, next week, we're looking forward to coming in fresh, in all Thursdays now and just with another new and exciting episode. So for all those out there, this is Jack Mitchell and John Bricado. Signing off as Real Perspectives. See you next week. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>